There is more going on than you know. There are unseen universal forces at work. The law of attraction is just one universal law that plays a part in shaping your reality. But there's so much more to know. If you knew how to engage all the universal forces, you could deliberately create the life of your dreams. Joshua, a group of non-physical teachers, explains the laws of the universe and how the mechanisms of physical reality actually work. They are channeled by Gary Temple Bodley, and each week, Gary and a group of students discuss how they are affecting and enhancing their lives every single day. This is the expansion of the Law of Attraction. This is the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm Gary Temple Bodley, and with me today is my good friend Rob Turner. Rob and his partner Trace just were living in India, and the whole coronavirus thing happened, so they had to go back to New Zealand, where they're from. And so we're talking to Rob from his Airbnb lockdown 15-day timeout. Hi, Rob. Hey, Gary. It's good to be here, and we're living in the countryside. It's idyllic. So it's a pretty good place to be locked down. Yeah. Well, I guess we're all sort of locked down anyway, but you had a like a, a more official lockdown because in New Zealand, when anyone came back, they were what? Like you landed the plane and then would they escort you or how did all that work? Uh, there's, there's checking stations and paperwork and you've got to say where you're going and you're told that you've got to self-isolate for 14 days. But since then, uh, there's now a four-week lockdown that starts right off right today. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So the whole country. Now, um, why are you in an Airbnb instead of your house? Oh, because we left New Zealand about four years ago and have been living a kind of digital nomad life. And we've been living in France and the southwest of France and in Mumbai and in India uh, ah. because of our business. And uh, we thought... I wonder if it's possible to actually live anywhere we want to live, anywhere that has internet that is. And it turns out um, that we can. Yeah, that's awesome. And actually, you guys were going to come here to our spring event, which theoretically is occurring in a couple of weeks, but there's no way to get here from where you were. Yeah, there's no way to get there. And then uh, once we got to the States, it was possible we couldn't get out again, depending on what's happening, because most flights have been shut down. Our flights out of India were cancelled and we had to rebook on another airline. Well, you could have stayed here. We have a gigantic house. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. We could have stayed with you guys for a few months. Yeah, we have excellent internet and you have a built-in chef, so you're all good. And a massage therapist. <laughs> you, you never told me all that stuff before. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is the perfect house for a group lockdown because... You know, we have five bedrooms and gigantic house and big yard and all kinds of stuff we could do here in this great little town. Uh, so I, I assume that pretty soon people are going to be flocking here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys did what I've really been thinking about the last four years because I can do Joshua from anywhere in the world. And I thought, how cool would it be to like live in Italy or live in France or I never thought about going to India, but you make India sound great or even Thailand or something like that. What's that experience like? Uh, it's been really, really good. Um, the south of France, of course, is idyllic and most people get that. And we had a lot of visitors <laughs> come and see us when we're in France. Um, India is amazing. It's, it's super intense. And not everybody gets it. Well, I don't know if anybody gets in there. I don't understand it. But it's so different that I find that it kind of forces me to be far more open-minded and accepting mm. because all of my belief systems and thought models don't really apply. So it, it's kind of forced us to be much more open-minded because everything is different. Um, it, it's, um, it's very religious, but it's also very spiritual. Yeah. Uh, I find really interesting that, that friends of doctors and dentists and just people around the place, business people, they all seem to have a, a spiritual dimension to their beliefs. Um, and a lot of people I found actually there, like one of our dentists, it's into the law of attraction. Yeah. So I found the spiritual dimension really, really interesting. And I, I suppose the majority of people are, are Hindu and 
a lot of Westerners understand aspects of Hinduism and some of the spirituality, and a lot of that spirituality has floated across to the West as well. And um, it's pretty different from growing up in, you know, our sorts of countries, which are, I guess, post-Christian. Right. So they, a, they tend to believe in Hinduism, most of them, and they have this whole spiritual dimension to life that I don't really experience in the West as much. And, okay, so there's a couple of things in there. So what is that basic fundamental idea of Hinduism? Um. Well, things that I have noticed is that they have a different attitude towards death. So yeah. just before uh, we started this podcast, you and I were chatting about death, and I said that it seems to me that people in the West are pretty terrified of death, and that Christian people I know who believe in the hereafter still seem terrified as well, whereas I've noticed that Hindu people seem to be far more accepting of death, and I suppose that's because they believe in reincarnation. And I was talking friend um, who's from that part of the world, a friend, uh, a businesswoman I know back in New Zealand. And she said, yes, she actually suggested that to me. Uh, she knows a lot more about it than I do. And she said, yes, Hindus are far more accepting of death. They're almost fatalistic about it. So um, the middle class in India have become very aspirational, but billion odd poor people. There's about 350 million middle class, highly educated people doing well, but there's nearly a billion poor people. Right. And they don't seem to have what I sometimes call uh, Western shoving disease. Yeah. Like we have a maid who comes in every day and it's like in Americans' terms, it's maybe 60 or 70 cents a day. And Trace, my partner, was like, no, no, we can't possibly do that for a while. <laughs> but then she realized this woman would love to have a job. When she comes in, she's, she's a ray of sunshine. She's amazing. And she lives a very, very humble life. Um, she doesn't speak any English at all. She just speaks the local dialect, Marathi. But we know from Google Translate that she's got some sons and family. You know, she loves her family. And um, she doesn't aspire to have all the things that, that we have that we in the West might imagine make us happier. But, of course, what I've learned from um, Law of Attraction Boot Camp working with you and the Joshua Abundance Boot Camp is that those things have never actually made me happy. I had plenty of them. But they didn't make me happy, and, and it's because if you're not happy in the first place inside, then that stuff outside of you is never going to make you happy at all. So who knows whether most Indians will end up getting what I call Western striving disease or whether they will stick with their more traditional philosophies and realize that happiness comes from somewhere else. Yeah, well, what it is, you know, this time of awakening – when we're really getting the chance to explore this new approach to life where we stop striving and we, stop, we start living in acceptance of what is. And I think that for the duration of humanity up until the last 100 years or so, the world was living as you describe the poor Indian people. They just didn't have any control. They didn't have any need to strive for anything outside of them. And so they either accepted where they were in happiness or in suffering, whatever it was. <clears throat> um, now that we have this amazing wealth, those of us in Western civilization seem to believe that we have control over our reality. And so we effort and struggle to, you know, uh, create wealth, to create, you know, love flowing from others to all these things outside of us that we think will make us happy and, of course, never do. Yeah, yeah. So that's been very interesting to witness. And another thing, a lot of people we know don't want to come to India because they say they couldn't stand seeing all the poverty and then they would feel a need to try and fix it. Right. And accepting that this is how a billion people live in India and in many other countries too around the world. Most people in the world live more like that than how we live. Right. Accepting that and not trying to change it and actually just accepting it with an open mind because it is a fact of life on the planet. Yeah. It's a bit of mental gymnastics. It's, it's, um, it does tend to change your perspective on being a Westerner. Yeah, and our perspective is being changed right now as we're going through this coronavirus and we're realizing that all the, you know, all the achievement and all the effort and all the struggle that we did means nothing if one, we're not happy, and two, we're not healthy. 
this is the most fascinating time, isn't it, really? Because with this lockdown thing, pretty much everything is stripped away. You're isolated apart from the internet. And um, you've only got what's in front of you. And some people are like, oh, my God, Netflix is so boring. I've seen everything. There's nothing to do. Which I guess is because there's a, a paucity of meaning or value or creative expression in their lives. Yeah. You know, for some people, this is a great time to rediscover their passions and interests. And for other people, it's complete all-out boredom. Yeah. Yeah, so we took an approach, I guess partly because of the big camp work I've been doing, we took an approach that, well, first of all, I know from the history of my life that the recessions I've been through right from the 80s onwards when I've been in business didn't actually affect my income or my enjoyment of my work. And uh, from there, I also realized that the most successful business and financial life weren't actually about efforting and struggling. They're kind of things that happened or came along. And so I mentally accepted the law of attraction idea that you don't have to effort and struggle to get whatever money you need to live the life you want to lead. But it wasn't until I looked at the evidence of my own life that I realized, well, actually, that is what happened, <laughs> that the money came in uh, at times when I guess I was in alignment and the right things happened. So that's what we've been doing now is looking at all the opportunities that are in front of us, things that we would really love to be doing, rather than thinking, oh, my God, we're going to lose all our client work or something like that. We've got a pretty diverse online business, and some of those will become major opportunities. and. The other thing is that we've been trying to do less client work and do more kind of stuff for coaches and therapists and healers and people like that, like a one-to-many kind of an offer rather than doing one-to-one work. And in a way, this is a great enabler. I wouldn't say it's forcing us to go down that path, but it's enabled us to really focus on that path. Yeah, and that is a brilliant place to be because as we see from people going through the boot camp and people joining Friends of Joshua, that... There are so many of us who are spiritual leaders and teachers who are emerging into this idea of who we truly are and then receiving inspiration to do something, you know, whether it's start a podcast or a blog or, you know, a YouTube channel or write a book or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, and it's like, okay, I was a realtor before, you know, and that life was never satisfying. I mean, it was it, it had little you know moments here and there, but it was generally efforting and struggling, having a big company, having all this stuff to take care of, you know, all that stuff. Uh, Joshua was just on live on another podcast, and Joshua, I think it was Joni Lerner's podcast, Spiritual Liveness, where Joshua was explaining the stock market and said that when you find a stock that you just love this company and you're totally interested in the company, you read all about it, and you just think this is the best company in the world, and so you buy the stock when the company's new, and you're just excited for the growth of the company and all the new things they're doing, and the, the stock rises and rises over time, and at some point you get inspired to, now's the time to sell, we're going to remodel the kitchen or retire or take a vacation or whatever it is. Those are the people that do well in the stock market because it's coming from a basis of love. And as that stock is starting to rise and other people pay attention to it, not because they love the company, but because they think that here is a way to get money, to make money, right? Uh, a sort of a selfish, not I want to say selfish, but a, a, a very limited view of it. And these are the people who get killed when it crashes because they are viewing this thing from a position of fear and control rather than, than the original investor. And you can think Tesla here of, people who are totally interested in that company and then they will be inspired to get out when the time's right for them. You can take this in, in anything that you're doing. Are you in your job efforting and struggling along just to eke out, you know, some kind of existence because you think that, you know, that what else are you going to do? Or are you following your passions? And a lot of us who are listening to Joshua have like me, I let my real estate license go. I'm full in with being a spiritual leader and teacher. I'm totally in with the, the podcast and the books and the 
the boot camp and all these things I'm doing now. And everything is, you know, working great. And I'm feeling great. And I'm really realizing that it took about six and a half years to get where I am now of living the old approach to life to transforming into this understanding of who I really am and following this journey of self-discovery, only doing what I'm inspired to do. So here I am, we're locked up in the house, but it's not like we're locked up because we're living exactly how we lived before. Nothing has changed, you know? We're doing, Tracy is uh, out there making workout videos and doing Facebook Live videos, doing workouts. We're, uh, you know, I'm doing all these podcasts and interacting with people in the boot camp and doing all the Joshua stuff. And at the end of the day, it's like, oh my God, look how much we got done. Look how fun this was. Just living by inspiration to inspiration throughout the day. And all these new incredible things are happening while all the turmoil is happening at the same time. Yeah. Well, I talked to you a little bit about my background, but I was in finance. I was a partner in an investment firm and well, making a lot of money. And I was never deeply satisfied by that, I guess, because other aspects of myself, my creative or spiritual self or whatever, were never um, able to express themselves in that realm. And I had a chance to sell out a few years back, so I did do that. And I ended up uh, in online businesses, which has been great. And I learned a lot over the years I've been doing that. And it's given me a lot of freedom to go in the direction I want to go in. And it also gives us the choice to choose what kind of clients we who we want to work with. Um, I discovered um, your books in November of, uh, must have been just over like 18 months ago. Um, I was introduced by Priya Kajuria, who does some Law of Attraction uh, books publishing. And she introduced me to Abraham Hicks. And then I said, this is great. She said, oh, if you like that, then you'll like the Joshua stuff. Check out Gary Bodley. So I did. <laughs> I set an intention that I want to work with somebody doing the kind of work you're doing. And I specifically wrote down your name on a piece of paper in the name of John Keogh, who with the mind power stuff, which I'd worked on decades ago. And then I somehow connected with you and we started talking. And next thing you know, we're talking about how we can revamp uh, the homepage of your website and doing that sort of stuff. That all came from an intention and it happened pretty fast. In terms of um, telling the world about my interest in law of attraction. Uh, I laugh uh, at myself primarily when I hear you say, I'm not going to tell anybody I'm doing this stuff. They'll think I'm nuts. Right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm still traveling that road. <laughs> I'm starting to tell more and more people and, and starting to talk about that. And I guess that was something that would unfold for me this year, that having been that finance kind of a guy, the serious kind of a guy, to actually becoming that spiritual kind of a guy and stepping into being a spiritual leader and teacher. That, that's, a, that's a path for me this year. Yeah, you know, it's the same, exact same thing happened to me. I was this business guy living a super normal life and going from that into this spiritual leader and teacher was a transition that took, well, you know, let's just say it took from when I found Abraham uh, 10 years ago to now, and, and then Joshua coming in six and a half years ago, that it wasn't until last year did I ever post anything from Joshua on my private Facebook page. So all those friends I had in my old life never knew anything about this. And it was because I thought they would think I was weird. So think about this ideology as a virus. It would be the slowest moving virus of all. Because everyone's afraid to talk about it to their friends. <laughs> and they'll think they're nuts. <laughs> this is an antiviral is what we're doing. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you know, I, I've given quite a lot of thought to uh, the growth of the Joshua work. And in, in coaching and, and um, healing and, and that kind of work, there are kind of three stages that businesses go through. There's one which is often called the call me phase where people are working one-on-one -on -one with people. And the next phase from a business point of view, we call list build, where people are building their email list and their social media audience and so on. And the next phase is what is called an authority. Now, because you channel Joshua, you have what I would call authority material, but 
you still need to kind of put those other bits in place. And if you look at the whole Joshua work that you're doing from a business point of view, and I'm talking about this because I know a lot of people listening to this want to know how to step into doing this kind of work and what the path looks like. And yeah. for most people, needs to be you need to master the one-on-one stuff and then you need to master that list build phase where you're working one to few or one to many and then step into that authority which for most people it's they become the authority you have the added benefit of channeling joshua which brings some inherent authority but currently you can see as the the growth of the joshua work and i'm very interested in and doing my bit to to bring that virus, as you call it, to the world, yeah. um, you really kind of need to nail down all the other bits retrospectively as well, like for anybody who's coaching or wanting to do this kind of work. And podcasting is really good, but you actually still need to get it out there. And there's a lot of interest in law of attractions that, that is working for you, but I wouldn't necessarily advise everyone to rush into podcasting until they've taken some of those, those other steps to build their business. So really I'm talking about an awareness of those phases of mastering the one-to-one business. And it's also about the technology because you've got to have the websites, you've got to understand the email marketing, the email capture, how to use social media for business. If you're going to do a blog or a video, how do you get that discovered? How do you know what people are actually looking for? Because if you're going to be writing stuff, then you want to be writing stuff that people want to read because otherwise they're not looking for it. And if they find it, they're not going to read it anyway. And the same goes for video. So part of what we've been doing is putting together a whole kind of um, ecosystem around around working with coaches and spiritual leaders and teachers. Starting yeah. with like a website system and moving on to like a directory website so we can help coaches promote their business. And yeah. That's we that, also have like a, it's a, a whole it's, place for writing and blogging to help people move into that as well. Yeah, it's a really interesting journey that I've been on and it speaks to what you're talking about exactly. Because, so let's just say that I had no desire to be here whatsoever. So when when Joshua came, uh, if I had seen my life I'm living now, it would be so foreign to me that I wouldn't want it, right? I mean, the idea that I'd leave uh, South Florida and that I wouldn't be in real estate and I wouldn't be playing poker at the time, you know, all these things that I was doing back then. So I had to go on this journey of of self-discovery. So it was five years really from 2013, November to November, 2018. And by that time I'd been guided step-by-step, you know, wrote the book, started the podcast, started channeling Joshua Live, uh, did the Law of Attraction Cruises, did our Joshua events, realized that um, I had to move on from my marriage, found this house here, met Tracy, and then here I am at November, in, the, in November, just moved in the house in October, so November 2018, with no foreseeable signs of, of money coming in or anything. And, and at that point, that whole time, I was absolutely not an expert. And I had really done no one-on-one at myself ever. It was all Joshua doing it with people, right? So it was never Gary. And I perceived myself as a student of Joshua. And so then the boot camp is channeled in November. And I realized by the end of the boot camp, it explains your soul's purpose to you. My soul's purpose was to be a preeminent spiritual leader and teacher. And when after going through that boot camp, which is eight weeks, uh, once I realized that, it made so much sense. Everything in my life was leading up to this, and I never saw it until this moment. And doing the work in the boot camp, because there's so much intense stuff to do, you are moved along this journey in this eight-week period where you're ready to see what your soul's purpose is to some people. I was ready for that purpose, for that idea. So then I stepped into it, and then I spent the next year doing the boot camp with people, and I've had, um, you know, there's 120 or so boot campers. So I've had three one-on-one sessions with each of them. So that's been 360 hours or so of one-on-one, plus some other stuff as well that's, that's Gary's doing one-on-one. So now I've had a lot of one-on-one time, and I've really become more aligned in those sessions, realizing it's a spiritual connection. And now I can see 
that really without any effort and struggle that, or any goal setting, by the way, too, this is just going with the flow of how it's going. Now I'm getting on all these other people's podcasts. Our podcasts are, are growing and growing and growing. And more and more people are joining the boot camp. And we're building alliances with other people who have their followings as well. That this is really going to go to the next level, either you know later this year or sometime during this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that it is it is growing fast and it's exciting. And as Joshua often refers to the time of awakening, which is which is interesting, really, because there does seem to be a greater awareness of of this kind of work. I'm doing my sixth boot camp now. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say this is probably, in fact, definitely um, the richest one for me so far. And I think it's partly because I've identified two things I really, really want to work on. One is the thing you just talked about, which is instead of goal setting and efforting and trying to nail down project after project, it's about stepping into the flow and allowing a plan to unfold. So that's about allowing and not resisting. And it's also about uh, limiting beliefs or... um, imagining that things have to unfold a certain way. Right. And I've observed how you've stepped into that. And uh, that, that's been a rule for me as well, watching, because watching, I'll talk to you sometimes about business and then I'll think, okay, Gary doesn't have that impediment in his thinking that I have. <laughs> made me realize that I still got these blockages or limited thoughts around certain things, beliefs, you know, they're unfold beliefs, I suppose. So that's one thing I'm working on in this boot camp is stepping into the flow. And the other one is... is being the bigger, bolder, brighter version of myself uh, and expressing that person. Yeah. And so that's being confident to make videos, do that kind of thing and become a voice. And I know a lot about the stuff I do for work, but I don't necessarily promulgate it in the way that I could. So those are kind of two big themes that I'm uh, working on in this boot camp. And um, it's been amazing. And it's amazing how things pop into my life once I start allowing and stop efforting. But I have right. to say, after so many years of sort of successful goal setting and nailing things down. It is hard to jump off that boat and jump onto the other one that's flowing gently down the river. Yeah, it sure is because goal setting is a control mechanism that allows you to perceive that you're on the path towards a secure future. And yet all your goals are created from a limited perspective of the person that exists right now. And most of them are based in lack and fear. I don't have this, then therefore I set these goals in order to get that which I lack. And I don't feel this way now, but once those goals are achieved, then I think I'll feel better in that. And so the first part of that is, it's being created by the limited version of you. And the true version of you that is coming to unfold day by day by day is so much more powerful than that. And the universe is working with the true version of you. The goal setting is sort of like getting in your own way, really, or causing you to be distracted by things you think you want rather than things you truly want. Yeah, yeah. So goal setting in a way, it feels like it worked very well for me in the past, but it's partly about exploring who I now realize who I am not. Yes. And it's a way to explore who you're not and to go further into that seductive lifestyle because you know what it's like when you, when you have high income and assets and you're the boss and you have all that status and that, that kind of power or the feeling of power and all that stuff, it can be very affirming. Uh, and then until one realize, well, am I happy and satisfied with this? Or, right. And what's it all about really? And I guess that's the big thing for me. I guess you come to this work when you're ready for it. And, and I, I was more than ready to actually look at a different path. And I also felt over the years, when I first got into finance, part of me knew that another part of me was being shut down and ignored. Yes, Money was good and I was just attracted to it. But I, I'd done an arts degree originally at university before I did finance. And the part of me that loved art and poetry and creativity, that part of me, I, read, I put that part aside. And, and didn't really, it kind of, I felt a yearning for it, right? And I felt, I heard whispers of that self come to me from time to time, but I was on that other path. So 
I feel that I'm now reintegrating with everything I've learned in business and uh, and in the arts and um, in spirituality as well. It, it's the bootcamp work has really enabled, and Joshua's um, teachings have enabled me to put that together. For me, it's the first really workable philosophy or belief system I've ever come across, and I've always wanted to have a belief system that really worked for me and delivered the things I really wanted. And I've done a lot of spiritual exploring over the years, but I never found that any of the, any of the systems or readings, they all had a little bit of it or even quite a big bit of it, but none of them have really put it together for me in the way that the Joshua work is actually doing. Yeah, and it's because all other teachings are built in some form of control. And obviously Christianity, there's a lot of control in that. And so the original teachings that were based in love and acceptance have been altered so that it's more in control. And this is true of any self-help thing out there. I love Tony Robbins, but Tony Robbins really teaches you how to control more. The, the approach or the complete fundamental belief system of humans living in Western society is that we must control our reality. And in that control, it's all based in fear and cannot work. And so all you're doing is acting on urges to change conditions. And this is what causes all the strife and suffering in everyone's life. So the only thing that does work is the absolute acceptance of what is. And in the boot camp, there's a part where Joshua says, imagine the old approach to life of hunting and gathering and how society is, you know, tribes have hunted and gathered for eons and eons. And that was simply the way it was done. And then someone comes along and says, I'm going to cultivate the land and grow crops. Well, to the hunter-gatherer, this seems insane. What do you mean? You're just going to sit there and wait for this something to come out of the ground? There's no guarantee it's going to come out. You just expect that it will. And that sounds really risky. Well, this approach to life is very similar. Are you kidding? You're just going to give up control over everything? And you think that's going to manifest in what you truly want? And from their perspective, too, because it's not instantly manifesting into lots of money, it's, it's hard for them to see the benefit of this life because the benefit of this new approach to life is clarity, satisfaction, ease, joy, pursuing your passions and discovering who you truly are. You try to explain that to someone, you know, you can only say one thing. Would you rather have all the money in the world or live in a state of joy? And people would say, well, I would rather have the money. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's right. Yeah, I've read that passage about uh, when we went hunter gatherer to cropping. I've read that passage many times. I love that passage. But, you know, if you ask people about um, money, health, and relationships, and when you get them to think about prioritizing those, most people are we come to the point like, okay, right, my health is number one, my relationships are number two, and the money is number three. And on a purely logical basis, if you don't have the health, then you're not around to enjoy the relationships or the money. Right. And I think most people accept eventually that relationships are more important than money, but can I have all three, please? Yeah. But if you look at the way I was living when I was in business, and most of all of my peers as well, most business people I've come across, although they say upon reflection that, Health is one, relationships two, and money is three. Mostly, if you say, how are, how are you actually living in terms of your time and your energy and where you put your focus, you're doing it the other way around. The money gets all the attention, the relationships get less, and their own health is the bottom of the pile. It's a strange irony of modern life. I was also thinking about uh, the billion-odd poor people in India. They don't really tend to live a goal-setting life of aspiration and trying to control conditions in that way because they can't really control most of the conditions in their life. But they seem to have an attitude that there is an expectation um, that they will have food today. Right. And um, like there's a saying in Mumbai, you know, Bombay, which is a massive city, like maybe 25 million, one of the most densely populated on the planet. There is a saying there that nobody goes to bed hungry in Mumbai. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Joshua is working on this new thing called the integration protocol. And it's going to allow us to more clearly understand the priority that 
is in alignment with love and acceptance and the priorities that is in alignment with fear and control. And so to sum it up very quickly is the priority that causes us to aspire to something is to prove worthiness. And this is what happened to me. I was, went to college to, to prove I was good, right? And started out in business to achieve status and achieve success and achieve money to, to fit in with what I considered the good crowd and to see, show that I was good and successful and all that. And so everything I did was trying to get people to appreciate me, to prove I was worthy, trying to build status to prove I was worthy, trying to achieve these, these milestones to prove I was worthy. And so it was all focused on worthy. So under that came money, came effort and struggle in order to get money to prove I'm worthy. Under that came really uh, probably my relationships, but only to prove I was worthy. I wanted to be friends with these successful people. I wanted to have a good-looking wife. I wanted to, to go in these social functions, you know? And, and then uh, I had my physical health. I wanted to look good, right? In or, that's the only reason I worked out, is to look good to prove I was worthy. And it wasn't really about health. It was about, because it certainly wasn't healthy, it was about you know, maintaining my weight and physique in order to look good to fit in with these groups. So that's the old approach to life. And the new approach to life is the main priority is your alignment, is to feel good, is to understand your innate worthiness and to step into that. And then on top of that is your, is your physical health, right? And th- you, you are in alignment well, actually, you have high physical health that will support you feeling good because you can't feel good if you're not in good physical health. And then below that is relationships. You want supportive, loving relationships where you express your acceptance to them so that you can feel healthy and feel good so that you can maintain your alignment. And then below that are your passions and interests, not money, Right. So it's whatever you're inspired to do, whatever you're passionate about. And those of us who are leaders and teachers, we are, those are where our passions so that they can help us improve our relationships so that we can have a healthy, happy, uh, you know, body full of well-being, so that we can maintain our alignment. So everything goes to that, that priority of alignment. And if you can't control your reality, that's probably your natural approach to life. The meek shall inherit the earth. Oh, yeah. Um, it's interesting with the boot camp because I noticed that a lot of people are initially attracted to it because it's called the Unlimited Abundance Boot Camp. And a lot of people come seeking financial abundance or an end to their feelings of financial pressure. Then they learn, well, is, is that what you really want? What, like, what do you really want in your life? Which is, which is an interesting exercise to go through. And then the conundrum for a lot of people, and I went through it as well, that, well, if I feel that I would like more money and I feel like I don't have at this moment, then um, how do I get rid of that feeling? I know I have to feel good in order to manifest abundance, but how can I feel good when this situation is bugging me? Whatever that situation is, whether it's right. health or love or money, the thing you're feeling the lack of all time. I eventually realized that my feeling of time pressure was just lack. I heard Joshua say one day, lack is lack, and that applies to time as well as everything else. And then it took me a while to move past that, and I've noticed a number of other people in boot camp going down that particular path as well, that you won't have the outside conditions that that you want until you actually feel good inside. Mm. And also, if they aren't the conditions you really want, then when you get them, you're not going to feel good anyway, which explains a lot of the lack of satisfaction of achieving financial goals or shopping that people buy stuff and they briefly feel good when they buy stuff and then it disappears really fast. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, one thing Joshua says is, is if you were to receive $10,000 right now, would you feel good? And everyone says, yes, of course. And why would you feel good? Well, because 
all, all of a sudden, you don't have the pressure that you're placing on yourself to pay your bills, right? That's been removed by an outside condition. Well, what if you could remove that internally by choosing to perceive things in a different way? Well, wouldn't that be even better than the 10000 or 100000 or $1 million? And since you would never actually ever feel secure with that $10,000 because it would disappear in 10 seconds, you know, and you'd be right back to living, you know, it's like, wouldn't the tools to remove the illusion of needing money for this and that and that, if you could remove that and then allow your natural state of well-being and joy and happiness to emerge because it's not covered up with these blankets of fear, you just let, you just take off those black blankets internally by choosing a new thought process. And once you've done that, then what you find yourself doing is living in the moment and only doing what you're inspired to do and being very effective in whatever you're doing because you're not efforting struggle, struggling. <clears throat> and all this download of you know, higher intelligence is coming to you and you become operating at this highly effective level and then boom by boom by boom by boom, things start happening. And here's an interesting story. One of the, one of the women in the boot camp, um, she was really struggling and financially, and she had given up her career, which was um, creating this product that builders used. And so she didn't want to do that anymore, and she doesn't know where she's going to get money from. And she's in the boot camp now, so we're in week three. She gets a call out of the blue from a colleague that she knew two years ago who says, you know what? We want to bring in medical supplies. We're in desperate need of them. And we know that you have uh, contacts in Asia with suppliers. Can you give them a call and connect us? And she said, yeah, I can do that right now. And so she calls up people she's known for, you know, dozens of years, long-term relationships, and their businesses are shut down in China because, you know, everything's shut down. And they were just thinking about this idea, and they have source for all these face masks and metal supplies. And they're talking into millions and millions of dollars, and she receives will, will receive 10% on every shipment. So that just comes out of this blue that you could never – perceive or foresee or plan for or certainly goal set. That's the sort of thing that happens when you just ease up on your resistance a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because the biggest deals or paydays I've ever had in business occurred that way, completely unexpected, never saw it coming, had never even contemplated it. And these things just arrive out of the blue. And I also realized before I started uh, doing the law of attraction work that I was attracting all these things into my life, some of which I liked and some of which I didn't. But I had, I realized I was doing it, but I had no idea what the mechanism was by which I was doing it. And I think I said to you once, it's a bit like I tried to take the controls of a helicopter with a friend one day, and those things are not intuitive at all. They're yeah. crazy. <laughs> weird. And uh, like if you're sitting in a little Cessna or something, it's obvious, you know, you turn or you pull it and the thing goes, you know, like you would expect. It's kind of like a car in a way. Right. And, um, except it goes up and down, but a helicopter, man, those things are insane. And and the, my point is that I knew I had the controls to act. Well, controls probably not the right word. I knew I had the mechanisms in order to create outcomes, but I couldn't actually understand it sufficiently to create the outcomes that I wanted. And then I kept on trying to control those outcomes. And as you say, letting go of all of that. And I've witnessed that. Like there are a number of people in boot camp I see who really have moved past a number of these kinds of challenges and are really flourishing and expressing their creative and spiritual selves, which, which is great to be in a community where I actually can see that happening. And if I'm right at that point now where I'm working, thinking every day about letting the flow happen, identifying what beliefs I have that are limiting or that are rigid or that things have to happen a certain way to get the right outcomes. And it's jumping into that flow. It's an interesting journey, but it does feel good. It feels really good. Yeah, well, just like the helicopter is counterintuitive, the law of attraction is counterintuitive too because it is, you know, we're thinking, our perspective is that 
this is how life works and everything in our belief system is control, 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 effort, struggle. You're rewarded for your hard work, you know, things like that. Uh, but it's all about realizing that, you know, as, as Abraham says, you couldn't scratch enough dirt to start your own planet. You know, all these things were in place to create this platform for you to do whatever you want to do. And here you are eking out a, a meager existence in comparison to what is possible. But how do you see what's possible, you know? And that's where our limited perspective comes in. So now we have to train ourselves that we are far more than we think we are and that we can be, have, and do anything we want. But if we use that power to get what we think we want, it's never going to be satisfying. So then, if it's not going to be satisfying to control conditions and effort and struggle, then what's left? Well, what's left is going with the flow of what is and trying to use your perception to see how good everything is rather than the old approach, which is focusing intently on the 5% of things you thought weren't going right. Why do we do that? Like that is true. And I notice I, I, I try not to do that anymore. And I've moved past that and I notice other people doing it because I look at my life and it's 99% incredible. The most amazing time ever in the history of the planet. We have everything at our fingertips. We're wealthier than pretty much anybody in the past or current situation of the planet could ever imagine. Right. You know, internet so we can touch, reach out all around the world, gain knowledge in a flash. Like it is the most extraordinary time. And all of that aside, 99% of everything in my life is perfect. But there is that habit that I, we focus on that 1% for whatever reason. I don't know why we do that. Well, why I used to do that. The 1% I'm not happy with. And then not realizing that I would just attract more of that thing by thinking about it, putting right. energy. Yeah. And in fact, the, the mental gymnastic, if you like, of, of changing that around, it's like, hold on, I'm looking down the wrong end of this telescope. Yes, exactly. You're looking at the wrong end of the telescope. That's exactly, that's a perfect analogy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But another issue is that this takes practice. And what happens is a lot of people will find Abraham and get into the law of attraction and they'll feel good and things will start to move like it did for me. Uh, and, but what I did when I got into the law of attraction is I said, I'm going to use this LOA stuff to get my money back. And so I was going at it as a form of control. And so I can Sounds get, familiar. yeah, you get so <laughs> far <laughs> and you're like, all right, well, nothing's, you know, how come nothing's working? How come I'm still the same way I was before? And this is why there's so many law of attraction critics, because the whole premise is that you can't approach it from any form of control. You can only approach it from the absolute acceptance of what is. Now, that idea isn't going to even not just not resonate with people, but not even compute, you know. You have to go on, a, on a, some kind of spiritual vibrational journey to go to the level where you could hear Joshua's first words ever, which is everything is right. The first words in the first introduction of the first book is everything is right. And that sums up the entire teachings of Joshua. Who's going to believe that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we've thought a lot about the idea that everything is right and accept everything as it is and everything is perfect. And Living for a time in India does help you work with that idea because if you, if you didn't just accept things as they are and if you kept trying to change it, you'd go nuts because of the, the vastness and the scale of the thing. And, I mean, who are we to imagine that we have a superior model to, to apply there in the first place? But, like, I noticed that with the idea that everything is right. It, it is challenging for a lot of people, especially when they first hear it. And then you find that some people instantly jump to kind of the – outlying extreme case where they immediately go to something like some terrible event happened in the world or in history or whatever. And it's like, well, hold on, why don't you just take the first step and look at some things that are happening around you and accept those as right. Yeah. And sure, a bit of a mountain to climb to understand some major world events that you think are inherently wrong or evil and to accept those or the actions of famous figures in history or whatever. 
So that takes a little bit of time. And initially when I was doing uh, reading the Joshua material, I did think about those things like, well, that's all very well, but what about... <laughs> yeah. And then I noticed in some of the sessions you've been doing with Joshua, they actually start to talk about some of those things. It's like, wow, they're actually going there and discussing some of those things. And it is hard for a lot of people, especially when they first hear it, to accept that everything is right and everything is perfect and not to judge things. But as you start to apply it, it's incredibly self-liberating. It feels like all these weights and all this baggage just kind of evaporates um, from, from out of you. And it's, it's very liberating and freeing. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, I, got a, my, I have a friend who uh, he was driving behind maybe in front of a car and he looked in the rearview mirror and the person threw out their cigarette. So he stops in the middle of the road and he goes to the, the window of the person and says, you know, how dare you throw your cigarette out on the street? You know, now can you imagine him being in Mumbai? <laughs> 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 yeah. Imagine that that little cigarette is going to piss you off. Now try to go to Mumbai and see what's going to bother you there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, going for a ride in the tuk-tuk, you know, the auto rickshaw in Mumbai, yeah. that um, helps you conquer your need to try and control everything because you just go the flow, or you you go nuts. <laughs> yeah. Or you go nuts. Well, driving is a different concept there. They have a whole different system around driving. It's interesting that there's a lot of allowing, and I've only ever seen one angry person on the road um, driving, and so people kind of allow and accept and let each other in and. There's a whole kind of a flow to it uh, that if you can start to understand there's a different system going on. There are the official road rules and then there is the way that traffic works in India. And it is fascinating because they cooperate. Yes. They, and they cooperate and they allow that somebody else needs to get into this lane or put in front of them and they don't get bent out of shape. Yes, because they're, they're not based in control because there is no way to control it. It's too overwhelming. Nuts, yeah. yeah. You would go insane. That, that's true. Yeah. 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 It's fascinating on many levels uh, living there. And I wouldn't say trying to understand it because I can see this stuff is going on. I have no idea what it is or why it is. <laughs> and we often ask friends, well, why does this happen? And what's that about? And sometimes you get an explanation and sometimes you don't. But it is vast and it does stretch your mind, which I like a lot. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So... Now you are approaching your passion. I mean, this is your passion. So you get to spend all the time doing this uh, media and marketing and working with coaches and spiritual people who are interested in that and different, all the different designs and getting to be creative in that. Uh, and what this is, is like me, you know, I was right out of college into real estate and became successful very quickly. Uh, so I always had this sense of worthiness or I created the sense of worthiness pretty early on in my real estate career. And by the height of my career, I simply assumed that I was the most knowledgeable realtor in Palm Beach County. And because I could, I had experience buying and selling houses, renovating houses, doing appraisals, and I've been doing it for a long time. So that Really, that sense of worthiness, I was, I was very, very successful. I made lots of money. Coming to do, be a spiritual leader and teacher in Joshua for really the first year here, I've had to um, go on that journey of self-discovery as well and to allow my worthiness in that area to elevate through the experiences that I had. And I had some amazing experiences in 2019 that really allowed me to see how worthy I am in this, in this being a spiritual leader and teacher, not just Joshua, but me, Gary, as well. And now here I am in the beginning of 2009, uh, 2020, and the podcasts are very successful, but I'm being invited on other people's podcasts, and the conversations that we have are a lot like this one that are just so fun and interesting, and I can see my value even more and more and more. So the same is true of, of anyone starting anything new. You have to go through this journey to understand your worthiness, but you're going to face self-doubt along the way, and that self-doubt will 
you know, take you out of alignment. And so it's important to realize that you couldn't have this inspiration if it wasn't meant for you. And this is just a journey, right? And things will unfold, manifestation events and wonderful things will unfold so that you can expand through this journey of self-discovery and then be guided to doing it in the way that is really based in love and acceptance and is highly effective. And so this is, seems to me where you are now in what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I feel that way in terms of uh, myself. I noticed like maybe February, last year, February, 2019, when I stayed with you guys, you were just at that point where you were changing what you said about yourself from I'm this guy that channels Joshua to I'm a preeminent spiritual leader and teacher. Right. And you were starting to say that back then. And then the, I've noticed that change as you have stepped into that. And, and it's, good to, it's good to actually see that actually unfolding. Um, and, and it's been a wonderful thing as you've actually really embraced that change. And I've noticed, like, in my estimation, you seem very different in those ways from the guy I met in February last year. Yeah. And that's, that's good because it, it's, um, it kind of makes it easier to, to tread that path when you've witnessed someone else doing it, allowing ideas, opportunities to arise. And the same thing's been happening with this part of our work, you know, where we can work with um, coaches, spiritual leaders, and help them tread that path. Um, but in particular, the parts like the tech parts, you know, all of those, the marketing and the website, which people know they have to do, but it's pretty hard. And yeah. um, we know all of that and, and understand all of that and can package it up for people. And I realized that it's far more satisfying doing that kind of work and working with those kind of people than a lot of the other stuff that we could be doing if we wanted to. Yeah. And we deliberately haven't been pursuing the other stuff to allow this stuff to actually come into our work and into our lives. Yeah, and I think that the, the power that's going to come out of this, of doing what you're inspired to do and doing what is satisfying is going to lead to, and this is why I wanted to have you on, because so many people in this community are, especially in this time where they have time to think, are, going, are saying, you know what, I'm going to start this thing. I'm just going to start doing it. And maybe I can talk to Rob and he can, you know, offer some guidance along the way. So why don't you tell everyone where they can contact you and Trace? Yeah. Okay. Go to one of our websites. Uh, we have a website, which is um, internationalcoachregistry.com. I think my internet just, can you hear me okay there? Yeah. No, you sound fine here. Right for a minute there. Okay. So internationalcoachregistry.com. Um, you can contact us through that website and we can talk to you about that. It seems to me that at this time that there is a lot of fear amongst people out there um, and also people have their time have time on their hands and uh, it seems a great opportunity for people who actually can offer some help yeah. kind or another. It seems to be a great time to actually offer that because people have fear and because they have time on their hands that it seems to be a really good time to actually start to uh, explore messages of help and hope for people. Absolutely. And I've noticed that a lot of people in the Joshua community have been finally doing these things that they are inspired to do, posting stuff on Facebook and making little videos and, and uh, starting different classes and things like that, um, that are designed to help uplift those who are in fear uh, you know, and there's been radical change among a lot of people in how they conduct their business. That's so inspiring to see, but it all starts with taking that first step and exploring, you know, the, really the infrastructure of whatever it is you want to do. And uh, that's why I wanted to have you on so you could share that. So, you know, stay safe and free and fun down under in, well, we can't call it down under, can we? That's sort of a uh, derogatory term for your for Kiwis. <laughs> uh, no, people you call it down under. Where I stay with that. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Because everybody <laughs> imagines that you guys live on the top half of the planet, and we live yeah. at the bottom. But of course, it, you know, it is upside down, and it's the other way around. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's right. Because uh, anyway, so it sounds like you're in one of the greatest places to be. Um, yep. I'm I'm sorry that you're not here. I sort of wish I was down there with you. But we're gonna we're gonna get together very soon, and in October we'll have another event. So we'll just shift everything to October. It'll be fine. And until then, we're gonna we're gonna keep building and building and building and doing what we're inspired to do and and creating alliances with people and and building. I had this vision of this uh, of this electrical grid spreading out all over the world and all these nodes along the electrical grid that are that are spreading out to the you know to more local territories uh, and that we're gonna wrap this globe in this grid of love and pretty much everyone will connect to that grid. That's where we're going. And so these connections that we're making here, everyone check out Rob. And Rob, thanks so much for being on the show today. And say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye to everybody. Thanks. Bye. 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 Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you would like to support this show, the best thing you can do is subscribe, uh, especially on iTunes. Also, leave your comments and leave your ratings. And that will help us grow this community of people who are interested in law of attraction and the uh, mechanism of physical reality. It'll be cool to spread the word even further. And you can help out by subscribing, leaving your comments, and rating the show. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week.